0: This has been a bizarre year thanks to the drought. Some trees in my neighborhood haven't started changing colors yet even as some have lost their leaves without changing colors at all. Some are turning beautiful crimson and scarlet and yellow but it's not been predictable. I'm worried about this summer's fires throughout the country. Such outsized burning must have killed a lot of birds as well as the food they depend on. The vast majority of birds were not in actual burned tracks, and many that were almost certainly flew to safer areas even if they lost this year's nests and young. But many areas with no burning at all had dangerous air quality levels. When we humans are cautioned to stay indoors, we seldom think about the animals left out there to breathe in all the dangerous particulates. California dairy and beef producers report lower conception and birth rates in their herds. And preliminary data from a study out of the University of Idaho indicates that dairy cattle exposed to poor air quality and heat stress produce about 1.3 liters less milk each day. But few or no long-term systematic studies have determined exactly how much heat and smoke affect livestock. So now a new three-year study is starting in Oregon. Considering how many people and corporations raise livestock and how many local and state economies depend on it, it's a little surprising that so little research has been done to find out how climate change is impacting the industry. It's not at all surprising that no one is doing this kind of research about our backyard birds. I learned in my college ecology and wildlife management classes that wild species can easily recover from even large-scale disasters, but that assumes there exists a surplus population. For many species, that surplus has been dwindling year after year. Even as we see robins increasing, they've apparently got a robust surplus, we've been losing wood thrushes. Mallards are increasing as redheads dwindle. Hunters used to tell me that to save any species, it should simply be designated a game bird, and hunters would save all the habitat it needed. But that sure isn't true of northern bob whites, spruce grouse, sharp-tailed grouse, either species of sage grouse, or either prairie chicken. Pheasants are doing fine, but they're not native to America. Wild turkey numbers are way, way up almost everywhere, including places like northern Minnesota where they never lived historically. But that's a case like that of white-tailed deer and urban Canada geese, where wildlife management went overboard, putting some habitats and ecosystems at risk from the overpopulation. Despite my worries, I can't help but take heart from the many birds that are migrating through this fall. I thought last year's blue jay migration through my neck of the woods was going to be the largest I'd ever see. They counted a full 50,646 at Hawk Ridge, mostly in September. But as of the end of the day on September 28th this year, they're up to 58,655, an increase of more than 11% as migration continues. On September 27th alone, they counted over 1,500. My feeders are still hopping, but nowhere near as much as last week. On September 21st, I took a photo of 24 blue jays crowded into my three by one foot platform feeder, all pigging out on sunflower seeds. It'll be interesting to see how this year's migration reports compare to previous years. I'm glad that one of my favorite birds of all, the blue jay, is doing well and hope we adults get our acts together before my little grandson is ready to go on field trips with me. I want to be able to share a wealth of natural treasures with Walter, for many years to come. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.